St. Leo 360, a 360 degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Welcome to another edition of the St. Leo 360 podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh, and on this particular episode, I'm pleased to be joined by a guest uh, from athletics. His name is Brad Jorgensen, and he is our head coach of the men's lacrosse team here at St. Leo University. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I look forward to it. Definitely. This is going to be fun. So uh, first off, I do want to just get into your background a little bit and then talk about how you came to St. Leo. And I know you've been here quite a while now, so we definitely have a lot to to chat about as far as your time here. So first of all, uh, Brad, talk to me about where you grew up and where you're actually from and uh, and all that good stuff. Sure. I I grew up in a town called Simsbury, Connecticut. Uh, It's north of Hartford by about 20 minutes, uh, almost to the Massachusetts border. Spent most of my life uh, in northern Connecticut and western Massachusetts uh, before heading out to the Boston area uh, after uh, a couple of years as an assistant coach in western Massachusetts. Um, And from eastern Massachusetts in the Boston area, I headed on down here. Uh, So I I stopped uh, heading north and east and uh, and headed headed down south. (laughs) Right, to a warmer warmer climate and more sunshine and all that good stuff. Yep. So then as far as sports go, I'm curious, when did you start getting interested in sports, playing sports? Sure. Uh, when I was about four years old, my father went to a Hartford Whalers hockey game when they were in the NHL. Right. Uh, and uh, he decided he wanted me to be a professional hockey player uh, when I was about four. So uh, next thing you know, I'm on skates, uh, registered for the youth hockey program, uh, <laughs> and, and kind of grew up playing hockey. Uh, and then when I was in about sixth or seventh grade, uh, a, a guy who had just opened up a retail sporting goods store uh, came by uh, the hockey rink and started asking guys to play lacrosse because he sold lacrosse equipment. Um, hmm. And it kind of became the thing for us hockey guys uh, to do in the spring once all the ice melted. Um, <laughs> so uh, probably started playing, I want to say, about sixth grade. Um, it was the old days where you still played three sports in high school. Uh, right. So I, I played football in the fall, hockey in the winter, uh, lacrosse in the spring. Um, and just turned out that the, the one I was the best at happened to be, happened to be lacrosse. Uh-huh. And were you kind of, did you kind of realize from an early age that that was something you wanted to do and were really passionate about lacrosse specifically? No, I, I think I was more passionate about sports in general. Uh, and you know, you, you go to the meetings with your guidance counselor when you're in high school and you're obviously not going pro in any of these sports, but you really love them. Right. Uh, so you start trying to figure out how am I going to, you know, be able to make a career someday, uh, out of the, these things that I love. Uh, so, uh, between, uh, that desire, uh, and some experience that I had had helping out a friend of mine's mother, who was an elementary school teacher, uh, I decided I was going to be a high school phys ed teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think uh, at that time in my life, my favorite sport was football. Uh, so I wanted to teach PE, be a high school uh, football coach. Uh, and, and that was going to be my path to be able to continue in sports without being good enough to make a living playing. I see. Interesting. 
And let's talk a little bit about your, your educational background. Uh, where did you actually go to college and what did you study? Sure. I, uh, I went to a school called Springfield College uh, in Western Massachusetts, actually the birthplace of basketball. Oh, wow. uh, we like to call ourselves the Harvard of phys ed. Um, <laughs> if you are interested in strength and conditioning, physical education, uh, athletic training, any of those sort of fields, Springfield is kind of the place to go. Uh, hmm. Like I said, it, basketball was invented on campus, as was volleyball. Um, it really sort of attracts those type of uh, areas of study. Um, it actually started as a YMCA training school, uh, was the origin of, of the college. Um, so being that I wanted to teach phys ed uh, and having such a good phys ed school, probably 35 minutes from where I grew up, uh, it was kind of the layup. Right. Interesting. And then, so I assume you did spend several years of career in actually as a phys ed teacher? Uh, actually, I didn't. When I first graduated college, uh, I spent uh, a semester teaching high school English, actually, oh, wow. uh, at Northwest Catholic in West Hartford, Connecticut. Um, taught Macbeth to high school seniors uh, for, for a semester. Um, that was one of those where I, I showed up to be a substitute teacher uh, and turned out the teacher I was subbing for never came back. Uh, hmm. So I kind of inherited her class. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. um, and then that spring I started uh, as an assistant lacrosse coach at Amherst College. So really I haven't done too much else professionally other than uh, coaching college lacrosse. Wow. So you really did start specifically with lacrosse then as yes. part of your career, coaching career. Interesting. And uh, so talk to me about kind of your, your early coaching career and then your, your path to actually coming here to St. Leo. Sure. Uh, during my time, uh, my, my first assistant coaching job uh, was at a small private school in Western Massachusetts, uh, Amherst College. Uh, and Amherst College is in uh, a conference at the Division Three level that doesn't allow off-season practice. Hmm. Um, so pretty much everybody had to coach multiple sports um, because a lot of our players were multiple sport athletes because there really was no off-season practicing. Um, so uh, I spent that first semester teaching English because I didn't have anybody to coach right. uh, and then sort of rolled in uh, to being a, uh, an assistant coach uh, at Amherst for two seasons. Um, at the end of those two seasons, uh, I had the opportunity uh, to become a head coach at a pretty young age. I was 23, mm -hmm. um, but had the opportunity to go to Wheaton College in Norton, Massachusetts, uh, which is sort of halfway in between Boston and Cape Cod, uh, and ended up staying there for seven years uh, as the head coach uh, at the Division three level. Um, wow. You know, and then one day I sort of came across a, a job posting that, hey, uh, this, this school in Florida is looking to start a college lacrosse program. Uh, I, I wrote uh, Coach Reedy uh, uh, an actual letter in those days uh, <laughs> to express my interest in the job uh, yeah. and didn't hear much uh, for a while. Uh, and then got an email a couple months later, uh, sort of uh, Coach Reedy asking me, uh, if I still had interest in, in finding out more about the job uh, and and kind of took off from there. Wow, very interesting. And then, uh, so I know, like you mentioned, uh, this was a brand new program, a brand new, a brand new sport here at St. Leo when you arrived on campus. 
Talk to me about what that was like. I, I can imagine it was pretty exciting just kind of being the first coach for a new program here. Uh, it, it was interesting, and it was one of the appeals. Um, it, not having to uh, try to change a culture, not trying to have uh, to fix someone else's mistakes, for lack of a better way of saying it. Right. Um, it was certainly appealing. Um, it was It was also uh, – it, it was – sort of daring at the time um there was no nca lacrosse at any level uh in the state of florida when we started we we are hmm. the first uh, college lacrosse program in the state wow. um at the time that we started our nearest opponent was in south carolina um so we we had we had some uh some interesting times early on uh, i think at the time uh, a lot of people thought we were crazy um, uh, I think uh, you know we're happy that over over the long haul uh, we we look a lot less crazy, uh, but it it was certainly interesting uh, trying to recruit uh, to a school that had never had a game played on its campus really, uh, and and was really new for just about anybody within about a ten hour radius. Wow! Yeah. And could you talk a little bit about kind of those the first few years, those teams, how they did, and kind of how you started building things? Sure. Uh, I, early on, we didn't have a whole lot of time to get things up and running. Uh, I started uh, in February uh, with the intention of having a team on the field by September. Uh, so we had to find 30-plus uh, college lacrosse players, wow. uh, uh, recruit them and enroll them and get them here right. uh, in, in relatively short order. Um, I think there was a big appeal for a lot of the guys to be able to start and build something. Uh, you know, early on we took our lumps the first year or two. Um, we were uh, not ne necessarily nationally known uh, quite yet, and and a lot of times you got to have um, some marquee wins before people start paying attention, uh, and you stop being a cute little story down south. Right. Uh, so. Uh, early on, we had some guys that, uh, I tell you what, those are some of my favorite years. Um, hmm. We might not have been very good, uh, but our guys showed up every day wanting to get better. Um, they had no expectations other than I was going to give them my best and they were going to give me theirs. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, to, to do that. Um, and then we were fortunate uh, a couple years in to start getting some wins that really mattered. A couple of nationally ranked wins. Uh, a couple years in, we were fortunate enough to to make it to our conference finals. Uh, the year after that, we ended up winning the conference tournament. Um, so we, the build happened relatively quickly after we soldiered through the first couple of years. Right, right. Now let's uh, fast forward a little more. Sure. You know, to kind of today and say the last few years, um, with St. Leo being in the Sunshine State Conference. Talk about kind of the, the strength of lacrosse specifically in that conference, and then if you could speak to just in general the strength of the, the conference, you know, across all sports. Sure. No, I, I, think, uh, the, I think I'll start with that piece is, you know, the, the Sunshine State Conference is known nationally in just about every sport in being uh, the premier Division II conference out there um, right. in terms of the quality of the teams that are in it. Uh, I think in terms of the fact that uh, the best or the worst and everybody in between are all really, really good. Uh, there is no true bottom of the conference in hmm. just about any sport. Uh, and, and the same holds true uh, in men's lacrosse. Uh, you're talking about a conference that has uh, eight members 
uh, and met that sponsor men's lacrosse. And usually you'll find five to six of us in the top 15 in the country nationally. Wow. Uh, um, there, there really is no day off once we start conference play. Uh, there really is no sort of perennial basement. Um, it's super competitive day in and day out. Uh, I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time our conference tournament wasn't chosen via tiebreaker. Um, it, it, it's, it, it is a tight, tough conference with a lot of really good lacrosse being played. Hmm, very cool. And then I know uh, back in 2018, the men's lacrosse team had quite a, a run. If you could talk about that and kind of take us through that, that journey. Sure. No, 2000, uh, 2018 was obviously a really special year. Uh, we had obviously a very talented team, um, a very senior-heavy team, uh, and quite frankly, one that had underachieved uh, the year prior. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we were able to do is really get full commitment from that senior class that trickled down to everybody else uh, and really led us to go on a run that led all the way to the national championship game. Um, along the way, we had, I believe, five one-goal wins, uh, if not six, um, wow. over the course of that run. Uh, and that speaks to the discipline and the hard work that that senior class put in to make sure we didn't underachieve uh, in 2018. Um, but I, I distinctly remember... Uh, speaking to the team after we clinched uh, the conference championship uh, and reminding them that that team was almost the exact same team that the year before didn't even make the conference tournament. Uh -huh. um, so it, it was a special group. It was a talented group. We got hot at the right time uh, and really found a way uh, to, to win some, uh, a bunch of tight ones that, that really could have gotten in the way. Right. Wow. Very cool. And as far as the national championship uh, game, I'm, I'm very curious about that whole experience. Sure. It's, it's uh, an absolute mind-blowing experience. And I think if I could do one thing again, uh, I tried to normalize it for our guys. Hmm. Uh, and I think that was a mistake. Uh, I should have told them what an absolute circus it was going to be. <laughs> um, you go from playing the national semifinal game in Hickory, North Carolina, in front of 2,500 people. Uh, to five days later, you're doing a walkthrough in Foxborough. Uh, and game day, you're walking out in front of 30,000, 35,000 people to play a game. Um, wow. it, it is a unique experience. Um, you know, the NCAA has us do an autograph session. I'm pretty sure it's the first time any of my guys have ever signed an autograph. <laughs> right. um, the, the whole experience is wonderful, um, but it is completely extraordinary. Uh, for your average day-to-day -day experience of a Division II lacrosse player. Uh, and, you know, I, I really do think that was one of the major hurdles and one of the reasons we didn't uh, play as well as we wanted to in that game was uh, it was an overwhelming experience. It's, it's tough to prepare guys for who have never been in a stadium like that to go out uh, and play in that atmosphere. Right, and just the whole environment, like you said, Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, home of the Patriots. I mean, you think of all the success just on that field in general. Absolutely. And then I also think of your background, kind of your neck of the woods, so I would imagine it was pretty special just location-wise for you too. Absolutely. Uh, we actually went and did one of our practices once we got up there at Wheaton College where I used to work. Um, wow. You're kind of on your own a little bit to figure out uh, practice 
uh, opportunities if you don't like the times they give you. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I obviously had some connections up there and knew some folks. Um, right. So we were able to do that. And, and, you know, to go back and, you know, be driving past the house that I lived in when my first child was born um, and those type of things as part of the process, it, it was really cool and really special. Very nice. Yeah. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your role as a, a head coach and uh, talk to me about what do you look for when you're recruiting a lacrosse player? What kind of characteristics do you specifically look for? Sure. I, I'm always a big believer in looking and seeking out the things that we can't teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my job as a coach is to make them better at playing lacrosse, Right. but I can't coach somebody into being six foot four. I can't coach somebody into being fast. Yep. Um, I can't really coach anybody into being tough mentally and physically. Um, those are attributes that are, they are what they are when they get here. Um, so those things that I can't improve upon uh, are, are things we like to seek out in the recruiting process. Uh, fast is always first. Uh, big is nice, but big and slow doesn't help me. Um, speed, it really is a speed game. Um, so we're, we're looking for speed. Uh, and really, we're looking for some of those other intangibles. Uh, it's really easy for me to watch someone play for a couple minutes and decide whether or not they're good enough. Um, the question is, do I want them representing our program? Do I want them wearing a St. Leo lacrosse T-shirt when they're in the dorm on a Saturday night? Uh, right. are, are they the type of people that we want associated with us and that I want here when I'm not around? Um, and that's probably the hardest part of the process is figuring those, those pieces out. Hmm, that's interesting insight. And then when you are recruiting, what do you tell you know potential recruits, potential players here at St. Leo? What are kind of the big selling points that you tell them you know as far as why they should play here? Sure, I, I think the we really when we start the the communication with kids we're interested in, our first step is having them understand what St. Leo is. Um, what we are, who we are, how we operate isn't for everybody. Um, and there's people who don't want to operate the way that we operate and don't want to live by the core values. And that doesn't interest them for their college experience. We want to weed that out real quickly. Uh, we want people who are the correct fit for St. Leo. For re- so really when the recruiting conversation starts, it's less of a sell and more of an education. Uh, and hopefully during that education, we find good players who want to be here and want to operate the way that we operate uh, and, and want to work as hard as we're going to work. Uh, so th- that's the important part for us, really, more than the sell. Uh, when it gets to the point of the sell, uh, it becomes pretty easy. Uh, if, right. You know, if we get you to campus and you meet the people here and you see the facilities here, um, you find out really quickly that uh, it's an excellent place to be. Yeah, very well said. Now, what uh, what kind of advice would you give? Let's say there is a you know a, a high school lacrosse player or someone who has lacrosse experience listening out there, potentially interested in playing at the college level. What kind of advice would you give to that individual? Yeah, I I always when I when I have the opportunity to talk to high schools or talk to camps uh, about this subject. Uh, I think the first thing that I try to get across is how important the academic piece is. Uh, I always tell guys if they want a scholarship, they should go to the library, not the weight room. Uh, there's way more money out there for smart kids than there are for kids who can play lacrosse. Right. Um, so, I, I, and 
you know, I've met a lot of really, really good lacrosse players who are good human beings who we couldn't recruit because their grades held them back. Um, and I try to get across to kids to make sure that they're not closing doors, uh, that they're opening them. Uh, I, I would say the other important piece is for those guys to be cognizant of how they interact with their parents and other people. We're, we're making judgments on that as coaches. Um, again, the, the whether or not they can play part it, it is really easy for us to evaluate. Uh, and it, it's kind of a you can or you can't type of situation. Um, but, you know, I don't want to recruit somebody who's kind of snippy with his mom when I call the house. Uh, I don't want to recruit somebody uh, who's rolling his eyes at his dad when his dad asks a question on the recruiting visit. Um, that's just not the type of people I want as part of our group. Um, so people just need to be aware of what they're putting out there. Uh, again, if I invite you to campus, I've seen you play and you're good enough to play. Um, but be aware of those other things. Um, I would say just generally lacrosse advice. Um, we tend to want to fast forward these days uh, and go from starting lacrosse to being the best kid on our team. Uh, folks need to embrace the middle a little bit and need to embrace right. learning the fundamental pieces of the game. I see. And I know you kind of touched on it, but uh, let's let's delve into a little more about balancing academics and athletics for a student athlete based on your you know your experience as a head coach and having dealt with a lot of student athletes what are kind of some tips you might have or strategies that you think work well for striking that that good balance absolutely again i've been doing it here long enough to know uh, sort of what works our, our team's academic rules are very simple and are boiled down to a couple of points if you go to class you sit in the front row you raise your hand once a day, you turn in your work, and you let your coach know if you're struggling. If you do those five things, you're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference in college isn't level of content. It's how it's presented. Um, you know, in high school, kids get given 10 math problems on Monday, and they're due Tuesday. You either did them or you didn't. They're either right or they're wrong. Um, college, you get assigned a paper in September that's due in November. And it's sort of up to you to manage your time accordingly to make sure it gets done well. Right. (laughs) Um, The other thing is using your free time and organizing your free time. Um, uh, Most high school kids sit in a classroom for seven hours a day. In college, a three-hour day is a long one. Um, But it comes with an expectation that you're using that extra time to be doing the work that you should be doing. Um, so I, I think one of the benefits of being a student athlete is a lot of us uh, in the athletic department have mandatory study halls for our teams. Uh, mm-hmm. We do check in with their professors to make sure they're going to class and doing the things they should be doing. Um, it's an extra set of eyes, uh, and it does force organization. Uh, I got to be in class at this time. I got to be at practice at this time. I got to be at lifts at this time. Odds are you're also going to block off a time to get your work done. Um, I, I think sometimes not having a lot on your plate makes it harder uh, to be organized and, and to use your time effectively. Uh, the, the busier you are, the more efficient you become in scheduling yourself. Right. That is a really good point. And I know this is something else you kind of alluded to, but as far as, you know, after life, after college, after education, 
What uh, what kind of professional opportunities exist out there for, say, a really talented lacrosse player, maybe someone who potentially could pursue coaching or, you know, other ways that they could actually use skills as, as a lacrosse player? Sure. No, I think uh, besides the obvious general benefits of being a college athlete and, and how much employers uh, like that on your resume, lacrosse specifically, uh, it's an interesting time in the world of professional lacrosse. Um, there's been a, an outdoor professional league um, for quite some time. Uh, actually, one of our 2018 graduates was drafted by the Denver franchise wow. uh, in that particular league. Mm. Um, but a new upstart outdoor league started this summer, uh, sort of a you know, AFL-NFL type uh, mm-hmm. relationship right. Uh, right there right now. Uh, and then there is a professional indoor league. Uh, we do recruit a lot of Canadian kids whose experience is more five-on-five indoor on a hockey rink type setup, uh, and that's what the professional indoor league is. Um, I would say from a coaching standpoint, there's a couple of ways to go. You can go my way, uh, which is the, the college uh, route and, and, and try to coach at this level. Uh, there's more and more folks now making a living running club programs. Um, a lot of areas, the high schools don't necessarily have the resources to uh, provide the coaching and provide uh, the experience that a lot of lacrosse guys want. Uh, so there's a, a pretty robust robust club, club culture uh, in mm-hmm. lacrosse that people are making a living off of. Uh, and, and there's all the little things. We have a, a young man who just graduated in May uh, who's going to England. Uh, as part of a program, he's getting a free master's degree. He's going to play uh, for the Durham University uh, team and help coach the younger guys, uh, and they take care of his master's degree and his rent. Um, wow. So there's all kinds of different things you can do uh, with lacrosse post-graduation. Interesting. And then just in terms of uh, you know yourself as a head coach, what would you say you enjoy most about your role? Uh, I would say it's never the same challenge twice. Um, Mm. You you know, people could look back and say, wow, he's been in one place for 15 years. Uh, When's it going to start to get stale? When's it going to start to be a rut? Uh, And the thing about doing this professionally is you you just, it's never the same problem. Any morning at 7 o'clock when I roll into the office, uh, it's a new challenge every day. It's a new challenge every semester. It's a new challenge every year. Uh, It really never is the same thing twice. Um, you, you certainly see some patterns as you get older right. um, and, and sometimes you know what to expect and you see some things coming down the tracks uh, but the reality is it, it really is a fresh new challenge uh, whether it be daily or whether it be annually oh, I see and then uh, do you have any kind of professional goals that you really would like to attain in your career uh, you know I mean I, I'm I wake up every day, please just punch. Somebody pays me to do what I want to do. You know, that's that's about as as deep as it gets. I think uh, I know I harp on my players uh, to be process oriented, not destination oriented. Uh, And uh, I try to live that way, too. Um, You know, I didn't think once in 2018 about trying to get to the national championship until Mm -hmm. we were getting on the bus to go to the airport to fly to Boston. Um, Right. You know, and, and. that's how you get there. You do the right thing every day. You do the best you can every day. Uh, and one day you look up and you're where you want to be. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say that I've really got uh, sort of that 
a post-it note on the refridge at home that that <laughs> is reminding me of my dream. I, I get to do it every day. Somebody's somebody's paying me to do what I love to do. Yeah, yeah, very well said. And then in terms of lacrosse, I know you did touch on some of the professional leagues, and it's obviously even with at the college level, it sounds like lacrosse in general is is a growing sport in this country. Yeah, yeah, I, I, the participation numbers at the high school level. Uh, have steadily climbed uh, every year. Uh, it's hmm. been about 15 straight years or so where lacrosse has been one of the top two or three um, growth sports at the high school level. Uh, it really did sort of have its origins in a very small geographic area of the country. Um, and then, you know, guys like me move to places like this and they want their kids to play. And next thing you know, there's a, a youth league and those type of things. Uh, so it, it has spread. Um, I think last time I counted, our roster has uh, 17 different states and two Canadian provinces represented. Um, wow. So we, we are pulling kids from all over the country. Um, so, yeah, the game's growing at the youth level, which means it's going to grow at our level eventually as well. Very cool. Definitely exciting times for lacrosse. I did want to mention uh, you can visit com, which is our official athletic site for all St. Leo athletics. And I know there's a lot on lacrosse on there, so feel free to check that out. And uh, Brad, I wanted to thank you so much for joining me on the St. Leo 360 podcast. It's been a pleasure. Anytime. To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877-622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.